Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I'm out of town. It's early in the morning for me, and uh, I'm, I'm in a, 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 a place where the sound bounces around, which you probably can't uh, appreciate as much as I can appreciate not being the word that I really want to use. I mean, it, I'm not appreciating it. I, I guess that is the word. I'm acknowledging it. How's your morning going? I, I thought I was ready to do this, but I, I don't have much time. I have a small window of time here. Today on the show, Steve Sweeney, the, uh, the, the veteran comic, one of the Mount Rushmore figures of Boston comedy. I, I knew him when I was starting out. He's, he's here today. He's got a, a movie out. It's called uh, uh, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. When I was starting out in Boston, this guy was the king. He was one of the kings. There was like three or four kings, and uh, and Steve was one of them. So it was kind of interesting. I don't think I've really talked to him probably ever, but I talked. maybe I talked to him a few times back when I was a, a kid, just a sprouting comic back at Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. But uh, I, I certainly haven't talked to him as an adult, and it was very interesting for me. It's like a, a, a trip back to a younger me. So let me explain what's going on here. Last time I talked to you, I was in St. Louis. And then on Sunday morning, I, uh, I, I packed up my bags at five in the morning. I went to the, uh, to the St. Louis airport and I flew to Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Ontario. And now I, I got here on Sunday afternoon, checked into a hotel and uh, went to a fitting for a movie. I, I, I got off the plane Sunday I tried on a bunch of clothes from the 1970s, uh, selected a few, and then uh, I went and tried on a wig. And then that night I went and uh, relaxed and I looked at my work for the next day. I'm shooting this, uh, this David Bowie film with uh, Johnny Flynn. And it's interesting about, about they, this movie has been out in the press a bit and people's immediate response was like, no, no, don't ruin Bowie. Not, you can't, you know, look, I, I'm a pretty big fucking David Bowie fan. And uh, I read this script and I found it to be uh, quite interesting. It's a very intimate movie. It's a very specific movie about a very specific time in Bowie's life. It takes, it, it's not some, you know, arcing uh, biopic with a big scope. It really kind of uh, takes place over like a three-week period of time. 
on a Bowie's uh, trip to America in 1971. I play a music label Mercury uh, publicist named Ron Oberman, who I don't really really know anything about. He's still around, but apparently he's not really uh, functioning that well. So I couldn't do that much research. But uh, but I I see the I see the lines and and I get it. And uh, I'm just doing the work, man. Now I'm in it. We're the, it's the third day of shooting. We're shooting 12-hour days up here. But it's really it, the difference in shooting things. And I, I know this is a, kind of a new world for me. But when you're not when you're shooting, a, a shooting can take a long time. But these all these scenes are very they're intimate. And there's only a couple of people involved so far. The 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 crew is is pretty small. There there only seems to be one camera. The director shoots very quickly. The cinematographer, the DP, he's 80 years old, and his name's uh, Nick Noland. And apparently, he's been a, he's been shooting stuff forever. And he actually shot John and Yoko in bed in a short documentary. And he shot uh, some Mark Boland footage back in the early 70s. Uh, and I think this uh, I think my director uh, Gabriel Range works with this guy a lot, or has worked with him before, but. Uh, the idea that this guy shot these guys at that time is pretty trippy, man. And the fact that the dude is still working. I mean, schlepping cameras around, getting on the crane, getting into the, the little uh, the camera seat at 80 and just like, you know, killing it, which is a word I don't use that much. It's pretty astounding. I wish I had time to talk to him, but this is going to be a cram, man. So the the response to the Eve Ensler episode has been kind of overwhelming and uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback uh, about the impact that episode had on people's lives both men and women and it's uh it's 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 heavy man and and I'm 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 happy that that happened thank you for the feedback and I'm I was happy to uh, provide that service really uh, which was to have that conversation with events and to share it with you guys all right I've got three pages of dialogue to do today. It's a it's an outburst. I get mad at uh, at Johnny Flynn's David Bowie and uh, have a little a little scene. I make a scene for the scene, and uh, you know, I mean, you folks know me. That's that's a stretch. So there's a lot of things going on that I don't have in front of me. You you can go to wtfpod.com/tour uh, to check out all the tour dates. There's been a couple added since I've maybe last talked to you. The Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. I'll also be up here in the uh, Toronto Just for Laughs Festival. Glow is coming back on the air. Sword of Trust, which is S-W-O-R-D, Sword of Trust. The film I made with Lynn Shelton is opening, uh, is premiering in theaters in July. And then uh, as July kind of moves on, it's going to spread to a few theaters, about 24, 25 theaters. I believe that, I don't know if the dates for that are up on the website, but you can go to Sword of Trust dot com i think to get uh, all the uh, information on that oh my god i think i need a break you guys i you know i just i think i'm gonna need a break is that okay if i take a break would somebody please give me a vacation mark i'm talking to you mark give yourself a vacation will you can you so steve sweeney how do i talk about steve sweeney i i oftentimes do not know how young Mark did what he did. I have, I have no concept. Uh, I was in Los Angeles in the uh, late 80s, 
got all fucked up on drugs and went back to Boston to restart my comedy career that I'd started in Los Angeles at the comedy store. And, you know, that was 1988. And I, I, and some of you know this information, but I came in second in a big comedy contest there. And from, you know, that, like August 1988, I've been a working comedian since then. Long time. But there was a local comedy scene, it was really a regional comedy scene that had these, this group of comics that just dominated it for, for years. And, you know, I was entering that world because I was living in Boston and it was a one-nighter market. And that's how you, you sort of, that's how I made my bones, was running around to bars, discos, uh, pubs, bowling alleys, hotel conference rooms uh, of all different sorts uh, all over the New England area doing these gigs. And one of the, the big dudes at that time, there were a few of them, was uh, Steve Sweeney. Steve Sweeney was like Boston's own comedic superhero, man. You just had this crew of people that a lot of people don't know because they they were they were New England comics. I mean, they they spread out sometimes. They they took trips and they went to New York and they went to L.A. But uh, you know, and they did the evening at the Improv and this and that. But in terms of working comics, a lot of people didn't know, and there were dozens of them. And Steve Steve Sweeney was uh was one of the big guys. He was the he was if you were to go to New England and, and mention you if you were to say to anybody in the uh, sort of uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, Rhode Island region, you know a comic uh from Boston named Steve Sweeney, they would be like, "Of course. Of course. Of course I know Sweeney." He did these big characters, big and he and he just he he owned them and he leaned into them and he just had a huge presence on stage. And I remember I always, it wasn't a matter of intimidating. It was just that he was sort of mythic. I mean, you'd see him, you know, sometimes he'd do, you know, 10, 15 minutes when he's supposed to do 45 or he'd do 20. And then sometimes he'd do, a, you know, an hour, but you just, he was sort of always delivered the goods. But at the time back in the day, and this was, I think before he sobered up, you just, I don't know. He was intimidating. He was a little crazy. You know, he was kind of you know, wild. So my memories of him are, are are kind of like awe of some kind and sort of like, you know, what's that guy about, you know, and, and just uh, knowing that he was, you know, he was the guy. He's the king of fucking Boston. Comedy wise on that, you know, in that world. You know, I, I, of course, like entered the world of Catch a Rising Star where it was me and Dave Cross and Janina Garofalo and Laura Keitlinger and Louie and uh, Chuck Sklar and John Groff, Lauren Dombrowski, whatever. There was a, we were then a generation beneath them and we were in this little basement club in, in Cambridge, yet there was this regional scene, you know, this regional comedy community. And I worked within it, you know. I was there doing one-nighters with a lot of these guys. But... It was intimidating in a weird way for me to talk to Steve Sweeney because, like I said, he held this place where I was like, this guy was the biggest guy, and there was a couple of things that he did that I thought were just sort of astounding. And uh, and I really haven't seen or, or talked to him much, maybe in passing, but not really, in, you know, what, almost 30 years? But uh, he came by, and uh, I was excited for the opportunity, 
and uh, he's he's created a, made a new movie called uh, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. It's available on iTunes and Amazon, and and he'll be at the Improv Asylum in Boston this Sunday, June twenty third, doing his one man show, Townie. And this is me talking to Steve Sweeney back in the house, back in the house in California, Steve Sweeney. And sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Casts me. So uh, it's good to see you. It's really good to see you, Mark. Uh, I watch uh, you, and I watch Joe, and I watch other people. It's such an interesting thing to come back here to Los Angeles, yeah. Because I lived here for eight years, yeah. And I remember having all of these and then I came back out for yeah. a few auditions and stuff Yeah, and when I didn't get them I got flooded with those old feelings it of was, like why am I here and just this terrible terrible third world kind of 405 freeway kind of jumping out of my skin <laughs> from lo- when you, loneliness and pain experience from and, when you lived here from when you lived yeah, here but yeah see, but see when I come out yeah. and I actually have something yeah I feel like a valid human being. And then I come out to this place. I get to watch guys like you and Joe Rogan and and uh, Bill Burr and all this. You yeah. know, I, and I remember all of you guys. <laughs> when, when we were kids? Well, I remember <laughs> a lot of you freaking open for me. And yeah. I, I tell people, you want to get successful in this business? Open for me. <laughs> and then I'll get to watch you go by me. It's, <laughs> come on. You, it's, a, it's not yeah. a race. It's not a race, Steve. It's a fucking crapshoot. This is like fucking standing at a roulette wheel. You, you know, when you got the talent, you, you hope that you fucking hit your number. Well, l- l- let me put it to you another yeah. way, okay? Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's times in life when you fall into things. Then there's times in life where you make conscious choices. Sure. So sometimes you make a conscious choice out of total... Desperation? Yeah, desperation. <laughs> so <laughs> I left here. I was with a woman. I was engaged. Yeah. I, I like these podcasts because you can get personal, you know. Sure. I, I don't have to do shtick. No. Um, and then I came back, and it was the one winter where it was like raining every day. It was like a tsunami. And I had a guy. I had yeah. one of those Oakwood apartments, you know, those yeah. corporate apartments. Sure, sure. The, the furnished ones. The furnished ones. Yeah. And so the guy next to me, you could hear through the wall. He had to call Africa every day at three because yeah. that's when they wake up. And and he, I like that he spoke from his heart. But I was getting homicidal, you know, no, this is an important call. I have to make this call. It's my family. (laughs) And then I was just overwhelmed with this tremendous sense of isolation. And what I said was, 
I don't know where I have to go, but I got to get the fuck out of here. But let's go back though, because like when I uh, when I was in Boston, yeah, yeah. like I, I I came in second in that riot in uh, in eighty eight. 1988. Well, that was Chicago, the riots. No, that that was an earlier riot. This was the WBCN <laughs> riot. So right, I lost to, uh, I was in sec. I, I lost to Sue McGinnis. Oh, yeah. You remember her? Yeah. How's she doing? Do you see her around? She's still doing it? I guess. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's probably doing it. Yeah. So I started working then, yeah. you know, uh, around Boston, doing the one-nighters, working, uh-huh. you know, opening, driving you guys around to different parts That's of the right. world. I remember driving Dick Dougherty somewhere. Dick Dougherty. He goes, you know what your problem? You're insecure. <laughs> <laughs> You're insecure. <laughs> but uh, but like that's when I started doing the thing. When I started working for a living was '88, and that's when I started you know first started meeting you guys. Yeah. And you like you the, your crew was was you and Gavin, George McDonald, Lenny, Lenny, you know, Lenny Clark, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogerson. Yeah. Uh, 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 was it Warren McDonald, Mike yeah. McDonald, Sizewear, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lazarus? You know, like that's funny. They were all around. You know, everybody was around. Leary before he got yeah. big. So you guys were like, you know, you you were the, the, the big guys in the Boston area. And the weird thing about Boston, I don't think that people know, but I've talked to a few guys on the show, is that it was its own thing. It's Absolutely. always been its own thing. Absolutely. There are guys that, you know, have made a living, a good living for years. Joe Yannetti started with me. Yeah. For years, right? And, you know, and it was its own, you know, you could work every weekend somewhere. Yeah, but you were like it was like I just remember the first time seeing you. It must have been at like fucking Nick's. Yeah, and then I started doing shows there. Yeah, and it was a scary place, Steve, for it for an aggravated, sensitive Jew like myself. It's amazing I lived through it. It was a scary place for me. <laughs> you know, we know. we we are not we are not on camera, but this is a great joke. Yeah. So I want you to ask me. Yeah. Was Nick's a mafia joint? <laughs> Ask me that. Was Nick's a mafia joint? Oh, n- <laughs> yeah. so what I just did was I said no and yes with a, with a head with, shake. With a- well, I mean, I remember those guys. I just remember they were like, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Like, here's the fucked up thing about like, you know, you're coming over and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what happened to Trigger? Trigger Burke. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my God! Trigger is no longer with us, but yeah. I, I got to tell you something. You know, it's so funny. Where I grew up, yeah, I grew up with guys. Which town? Charlestown. Yeah, they made a movie of it called Town. But I grew up with professional criminals. Right. Okay. Yeah. And my a rite of passage was shoplifting. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which I. I, I was so bad at. I yeah. mean, I was just like the worst. But yeah. Trigger who was a petty thief, he'd done some time, whatever, but he was around the scene. I'll never forget this, 400 people at Nick's. Um, I'm doing great, I'm on the stage. Right. The waitress, of course, they got no clue. They bring me a note. Yeah. Oh, I figure so- somebody's car's being towed or somebody right. had a heart attack. Yeah. Trigger Burke had sent me this note, toaster ovens, 20 bucks. He was selling hot frickin' ovens. In the parking lot? So I grew up with this one guy, and he, I was like, selling I wasn't selling I was like in these cars and we ended up in this sort of armed robbery blah 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 but anyway he, <laughs> that's he pretty, not, that part of it's big not, leap that, that part of it's not interesting oh, okay. but this part of it is <laughs> yeah. so he I do Nick's and I look out in the audience and there's this guy from Charlestown Joe Joe Rocco I'm gonna use his name because he's no longer with us 
and I, I killed. I got 400 people. It's practically a standing ovation. Yeah. So I see him afterwards. He comes up to me, and I said, I was expecting him to say, Jesus, great, you got out of Charleston. Yeah. Or I like the show, or I didn't like the show, but right. something to do with the event. Right. So this is exactly what he said to me, Mark, and he had that look in his eye. He says, there's got to be a lot of money in here. I said, you came here so that I could case the joint from the freaking stage. Jesus Christ. But this is, the comedy just, you know, I guess the word is organic because get all these guys in the street corner you know they, they they're funny and that why don't we try this but when i started there was no comedy clubs but like what let me ask i was you opening something. for you know bb king and oh, right. sugar shack and all but, this but stuff. who was yeah. like at that time like in charlestown like how many yeah. kids in your family like what was i'm the, the youngest of five of five so yeah. you, and that's it's not southie it's charlestown you it's better it. fucking believe it <laughs> don't ever make that mistake <laughs> There's the North End and there's Charlestown. Right. You go over oh, the that's bridge right, right and there's there. Charlestown. Yeah, yeah. So the, what, like like you're a little older than me. Like what was like what was the neighborhood like? I mean, it was unbelievable. But it in but a good way. But it's normal. I thought it was unbelievable in a great way. But oh. but I would but there was a mix of people that things were normal. Uh, in my one man show, which I call Townie, I talk about these events that happened to me in my life that were like, and people, you know, like Vietnam, for yeah. example. Uh, so I went to see a psychiatrist because I got drafted and everything. Yeah. And I said, okay, so you know, like when you see someone get shot yeah. and they fall down and the blood's coming out, or you know how like when you have an armed robbery and everybody leaves and no one says that? And the psychiatrist said to me, no. That's totally outside my experience. I do you think everybody? Does? I said, isn't that normal? So it was this wonderful mix. Everybody knew each other. It was like Charlestown was all Irish. The North End was all Italian. And I will never forget this. One of the most important things in Charlestown was yeah. you didn't have to win, but you had a fight. You didn't have to win, but you had a fight. Now there were individual fights. Yeah, and I'll never forget Davy Ladder and the projects. He broke one of the rules. These were fist fights, yeah. Mark. He kicked me in the balls, and it was like, oh, oh! you yeah. know, it was like Pavarotti yeah. hitting the high yeah. notes. Yeah. Sure. So then everybody jumped in. They got him. So those were the individual fights. But then there were town fights. The Irish guys against the Italians. So we were lined up on the bridge. So you'd be lined up against one guy. But I feel like, you like movies, I assume. Sure. I felt like I was watching a movie because it, being Irish, we don't have any feelings. Everything's yeah. suppressed. Even the way we dance, it's like <laughs> everything's stiff. And this guy's across from me. I'm going to, and it's like an operation. I'm going to take your fucking ear. I'm going to tear that off. You're going to have to fucking swallow that. Then I'm going to take your fucking off. And so I'm an actor. So when you're an actor, there's always you and then you watching you. And then you watching the scene, I said, this is fucking great. Yeah. This guy's amazing. I'm, I forget I'm supposed to be fighting him. Yeah. So it was all, it was, you know, homogeneous. Is yeah. that the word? Sure. Did, did you grow up in a mixed neighborhood? Not really. I mean, where I grew up in New Mexico, Albuquerque, it was about, when I was growing up, it was about 60 or 70% uh, Latino. But it I don't know, it wasn't really mixed in the same way the East Coast places are mixed. Like my, my high school was mostly... You know, uh, it's a large uh, Latino community. But you're Jewish. I'm Jewish, yeah. We came by way of uh, Jersey how, to how, Albuquerque. How do you spell your last name? M-A-R-O-N. It's not, I just went, I, you know, I just did that Finding Your Roots show. It's, it's not a Jewish last name and it wasn't changed, but I'm a Jew all the way back, 100%. DNA test came back, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Ashkenazi <laughs> Jew. I can I can see you in New Mexico with the you know the Latinos. Hey, it's like Jackie Mason. I want to tell you the truth. Right. Hey, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Pueblos. Hey, come on, we're <laughs> gonna go up to the pueblos. Come on. That was a, it was a little like that. What Not about more. American Indians? Were those guys? They were there? around. Yeah, the uh, uh, they were around. They Are you a spiritual person? Somewhat. I don't know if I am. I probably not actively. Are you? Yes, very much like, so. Like, what do you do? Um, are you are you still Catholic? Only for funerals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you have to be respectful. Sure, of course. But but I'm I I have practices, but I'm also interested in that part of the world for the Native American kind of thing, the Pueblo culture, and all of that. You can go see all that stuff. D. H. Lawrence wrote a book about. Yeah. He lived in New Mexico. Yeah, and he said, "You know what? This place." And of course, he was English. Yeah. He said, "This place does not fit human beings." He said, "There's something off about this," because he was from a European culture, which is indoors. Oh, he wrote that when he was in New Mexico. Yeah, he said, "It's you know, Europeans are more indoors yeah. and everything." No space. Anyway, I have a fascination with those open places. What I do is every summer. Dennis I, Hopper did a lot of coke at that D.H. Lawrence place back in the did day. Did he? I think he lived up there for a while. Yeah, you have I a love, theory. I, you know, I love Dennis Hopper. Greatest. Great. I, I, I love him. him. He had a look, you know, when he was in, like, Apocalypse Now. This man's unbelievable. I'm yeah, telling you, yeah, you yeah. want to see this guy? You can go out and land on a fraction. Yeah, but then how about in... Um, Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Don't look at me. Don't, Don't look at me. me. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. with Stockwell there, who I later met. Yeah. When he played uh, Roy Orbison. Yeah, yeah. Candy color clown. A candy clown. Candy clown. Candy clown. Candy Whispers in his arms. And, and then with each, between each bar, they were kicking the guy. Yeah. But there was something about him that I, I just found lovable. And then... I'm really not going to get too personal about this, but in Hoosiers, when he played the alcoholic father, do yeah. you remember that movie? I love it. He was so vulnerable. He was beautiful. But I saw him in New York. He was directing. He was a multifaceted yeah, yeah. guy. Did a few movies. That and, his movie Out of the Blue is one of the most devastating, fucked up movies ever. I've seen never seen that. But 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 you're talking about open spaces. Yeah, I mean, what, that's what I do. I, I, I'm sober 26 years, coming up on 27. And, All the way through? Well, <laughs> Sundays. <laughs> no, you we are. also give chips, you know, at <laughs> yeah. AA. Yeah. I always say, with salsa? Yeah. But anyway, we're not going to go there. We um, can go there. I got, I'm almost 20. Wow, that's great. I'm fairly open about it on the air because I think it helps people. Tradition be damned. But okay. that's my trip. Yeah, no, I, I, no that's fine. So in the program, they say, find a God of your understanding. So yeah. what I wanted to do, Mark, was I didn't want to just say, okay, here's what I want in a God, like a freaking casting session. Yeah. You know, I right. said, well, if I'm going to find this, I have to experience it. Mm. It's like Carl Jung on his deathbed. They said, do you believe in God? And he said, no, I know God. So what I did was I just went out to uh, Zion National Park oh, yeah, and Bryce yeah. Canyon that Utah? and all of that. Yeah, and yeah, Red Rock cool. Canyon outside yeah, of beautiful. Vegas. And yeah. that's where I experienced the higher power. The white light moment? Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I, what, what happened for me was I lost the, the obsession. Right. Which was very freaking painful. Took a while, right? A few years it took for me to really not think about it. I got it, it once. I got it at once because I bounced for 10 years and then I just prayed. I didn't know what I was praying to and that left. Then, of course, 
the obsession went right to the woman who had just left me, and that yeah. fucking thing lasted forever. And I took courses in yeah. mi- what they call mind stopping and mind stopping. Yeah, you What's look, that? you picture a white card, and you you just every time you get caught up in it. But the but the the way to oh, the obsession, the obsession, because oh, yeah. it's an obsessive compulsive personality yeah, disorder. Believe me, I'm living in it. Are you really? Every day, sure. Yeah, mine manifests in uh, like I I get like I either go to dread. And, and sort of get into a paralysis yeah or I get anxiety where you know I have to do a bunch of little things here and there and I'm always I'm eating these nicotine lozenges I'm drinking tea all day you know I uh, it, it comes up in different places but it, you know as long as it's not uh, making I my think life I, unmanageable I can help you with the white card w- w- no no would you like me to help you right now yes are you gonna tell me something or are you gonna hit me <laughs> <laughs> You've got to back me upside the head. You've you got to be open to this. Are you open to this? Okay. So I work in jails. I work at the Plymouth County Jail, and I worked at Dedham, and I work with kids. Yeah. So this is something that was taught to me. There's two things. You got to. Re- this is for your mind. Okay. Which is the future's anxiety, the past is depression. Yeah. Where are my feet? Yeah. Right here. That's it. Yeah. So you keep coming back to the same moment, but. What really worked for me with all of this was to practice a breathing exercise. Yeah. Breathing in four, breathing out four. Mm. Now, you're like me. You're all up in your fucking head. Right. I know you're not going to do it. Not to you're it. Gonna, no, you won't. I know you. You're bullshitting me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you're in some airport, which I've just been through for flights and yeah. the San Diego freeway, I just practice breathing deeply and the mind listens to the breath. So it helps me. Do you meditate as well? Yeah. I practice what they call mindfulness. Right. Which meditation's That's got That's the breathing this. and the, yeah. I sit there. Yeah. I start with these breathing techniques, and I feel like Russell Brand now, yeah. giving my bullshit out here, but uh, anyway. No, no, it is helpful. What do you do in jails? I teach what I've just told you. I teach guys to how to be in the moment, and my official... Uh, title is substance abuse account counselor oh so did you get like did you have to put, uh, log some hours and get it like a little uh, certificate i have a master's stuff? in psychology in counseling see i used to hear this about you like you know there was you were this mythical character uh, that i hear about occasionally because <laughs> like you know like i remember seriously and we can get back to you know uh you know the evolution but like one of these one of the last memories i have like what i remember when you were in trouble like, yeah. you know, you were in trouble. Like, one of the last conscious memories I have, and maybe I've seen you once or twice since then, was back in the 80s at Nick's. And uh, I don't know, you you had uh, lost your mind. Yeah. And, you know, you you were in the back room and, you were, and you were bloody. I don't even, and I don't think there was anyone else involved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what happened. Oh my god! <laughs> but, but uh, know. you know, I just remember that you know Dominic was there. Oh maybe yeah. Maybe Jackie was there. Yeah. Credico was there. You know, <laughs> there's, was, a, there's a thing that I uh, I would like to introduce you to that if you don't know, it's called cocaine induced psychosis. I had it. Well, let me do the dialogue. Okay. Did you hear that? No. Did you hear that? I didn't hear it. Did you hear that? No. You had to hear that. That's cocaine-induced psychosis. My problem when I had it was the whole, like, the whole do you hear the voices? I hear the voices. Yeah. Do you hear them? You hear them? No. Yeah. And then the guy gets pissed off. You tell me you didn't fucking hear that. I was with a Vietnam vet who said that. I said, listen, I got to go home. Why are you leaving? Well, we've been sitting here for 12 hours sweating, looking at each other. I think it's appropriate to leave. <laughs> Isn't it amazing we lived through it? It's you know? fucking amazing, man. It's a man. gift. It's a gift. 
So from Charlestown to acting, I mean, what, how do you make the decision to you know get off the bridge and pursue my the dream? My brother was 19. I was 19. My brother calls me up. He's at Smith College. He says, do you want a job for the summer? And I, and I said, uh, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. And he said, what is it? He said, acting. So I said, Jimmy, you know I'm not gay. Why do you ask me that? Because everybody who I knew yeah. in Charlestown, that was gay. An actor but, was But gay. it was Smith College. Yeah. And I got, I went up there, and it was all girls. I loved it. Yeah. But I got to tell you, you've done some acting. But yeah, but you the, weren't in the acting program? You were just, No, no, no. <laughs> I was nothing. Yeah. But you've done some acting? Yeah. So when you first start and you feel an emotion, yeah, you really think you're good. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm still but, in that phase. But but I was I was doing Shakespeare, right? And I had that horrible Boston accent, right? But I was a big tall guy, so I was Macbeth, and I was like, "Is that a dagger that I see before me?" And you think you're being great, you know, or uh, you know, Richard the Third, yeah, a horse. A hoss. Come on. You know, you know what it's like. It's but like. Where, where were you, you doing this? You know, but, but that was at Smith. But I you, know. But like, you weren't in the college. It was just a job. It was a summer oh. theater. Summer, oh, summer theater. Okay, I get it. And then I went back to UMass yeah. and I studied it. But um, have you ever sat through some of these college productions? Not lately. Well, it's fucking awful. And. <laughs> But the other kids, yeah. they were all from New York, and they had accents, too. You right. know, I want to tell you the truth. There's been a, hey, Macbeth, there's been a moita, the horror. <laughs> really? But then I got the bug, and I, I love theater. That's I still love it to this day. And I was uh, a doorman at the theater. Where? As a stagehand at the Schubert, the Colonial. And, uh, uh, and it's now the Wang Center. And I saw all these amazing actors. Like who? Well, I'm... I saw him. He wasn't performing. Yeah. But Joan Plowright was doing a play, and she was married to Laurence Olivier. No, yeah. So Laurence Olivier came in, and I swear to God, yeah. He went. In, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. I believe it. But he went in the sub shop to buy a sub. To get, I said, Laurence Olivier is ordering a freaking sub. Yeah. So my mind is. Guy's got to eat. Guy's got to eat. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying to myself, he's saying, I love a pepper and cheese and with the onions. Is <laughs> that for here or to go? <laughs> But I'll, I'll tell you who I saw, and I, I was later, did a movie with him, was Christopher Plummer. Yeah. So Richard Burton, Duequist, Jack Lemmon. Oh. You know, it was wonderful. It was amazing. And you were, what, you were a kid, like 20? Yeah, early 20s, yeah. So the, the, and then the, I felt, I did a one-man show, and I fell into stand-up, because I did a one-man show of all these characters, and then I, I was broke. And the guy said, why don't you go up there as yourself? The first year, I didn't even use a mic. Yeah. You know, oh, you were, yeah, you could get big, man. Yeah, I, but I was just, I fell into it, man. I fell into it. And I said this to Joe. I said, I got into stand-up to get acting work. And I'm still fucking waiting. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a few things. Yeah, no, I've been on a lot of movies. And, and I just produced my first movie, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. And listen to this cast, Stephen Wright. Bobby Slayton, Frank Santarelli, Nick Tony Bill, Nick DiPaolo. Jonathan Katz, I John saw in the trailer. Katz, John Katz. How brilliant is he? He's got a great line in the movie. He said, you know, my uncle, who was a, a well-known judge, but and even when he was down and out, yeah. and he was a, 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 a bum in the Bowery, people said, 
still said to him, may I approach the bench? How great a line is that? <laughs> yeah. No, the movie, it looks good and it looks yeah. fitting. Like, I, you know, I completely get the premise. Yeah. Because, like, you were yeah, you were and are the character guy. But but it was it's interesting, just the, the arc of it. So you're, you're, you're doing a one-man show, and, and who approaches you? There's no stand-up at that time. There's no clubs yet. Is that what you're telling me? No. They, they started... Uh, well, no, there were no comedy clubs. I did the one-man show at the Charles Playhouse. Oh, yeah. And then they and said- that, that became the Comedy Connection, yeah, right? And then or they next said, door? you know, I was just doing this crazy shit. Then I did it at the Ding Ho, and I was exploring, and that was, you know- So the Ding Ho was around. That started, like, years later. But uh, but but I was still doing these fucking crazy characters. Right. Like, my heroes were, like, Lily Tomlin, Jonathan right. Winters, sure. that stuff. There, there was a precedent- yeah. For doing that type of to comedy, me, and to me, since then nobody touches Carlin, Pryor, Lily Tomlin, Jonathan Winters for me. Yeah, you know? sure. No one, no one's touched them. So you're doing this stuff, and you're. When do you start working as comedy? Like, because I'm sort of fascinated with that whole thing, you know. Because I got there a little late, you know. I, yeah. I, 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 the first time I started doing comedy there was in my, in college in '84. So I was doing. Where'd you go to college? Boston University. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was doing, the first time I tried stand-up, I was doing open mics at yeah. Plating and Sam's. Yeah. Right? Stitches, the yeah. original one. Yeah. What happened to Harry? Harry? Yeah. <laughs> Harry Conforti. I think he's still probably working for Pat Lyons. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I remember Harry, you know. <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it was like- He could it, work at Ace Hardware, Harry. Yeah, he could work anywhere. You know, he yeah. had that kind of, hey, what's going on? Yeah, you know. know like, and he goes through, guys like that go through life, they don't go through life like us. No, no, they find a gig, they enjoy life. Is it, They seem like the they kind fucking, of people- Everything bounces off Yeah. Them. Their yeah. whole attitude is like, whatever. Yeah, I can't, I, I, I envy it, but then I'm, some days I'm grateful. So- so that's 84, but when the Ding Ho was... I, I went to open mics at the Ding Ho. Yeah, that was Lenny's night, Wednesday nights. My light, my night was Sunday nights. Lenny's night, that's right. I always yeah. had these issues with, like, you know, with Kenny Rogerson used to have the open mic that played against Sam's, yeah. and you put your name on a fucking list, and he gets shit-faced in the middle of the show. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, a couple of times where, like, he just forgot to put me on, and I stayed there all night. But when you're an open micer, half of you is hoping you don't go on. But I just used to watch and watch, and the names would go by, and names would go by, and then he'd close the show, and I'd be like, what the fuck? And uh, here's how I look at it. Yeah. All of those humiliating, debilitating, Oof. awful experiences yeah. create who you are. Yeah. Like for me, I remember this guy said to me, and you know, I was making a living and everything, and he said to me, Why are you bitter? And I said, Wow, this is a choice I make. Yeah. You know, but I can remember being humiliated doing this job. There was one incident played at, uh, ground round me and Jay Charbonneau and the guy was throwing How's ice Jay Charbonneau he's great yeah but but he uh the guy was throwing ice at yeah. him on the stage and he the, was always, you could always count on Jay for a snap he'll snap man <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that would happen yeah so but he he did his thing yeah. then my opening line mark yeah. right now can you imagine this you know, yeah, you, go I can. To, you go to a fucking comedy show <laughs> and the the comedian's at opening the ground round uh, at the opening line of the comedian yeah. was this <laughs> I said, any motherfucker that throws a fucking piece of ice at me, I'm fucking going right over the Now let's have fun. I mean, it's like, forget about <laughs> you it. You had to, but that was the nature of the one-nighter. But, but I feel like it's it's humiliating, it's debilitating, but it builds you up. Oh, no So shit. that now I don't take any shit. If they're texting, 
turn it off. I'm not going to be clever. Mm. One, I said, I got one line for it. I said, look, you're putting us out of a job because yeah. the comedian of the future. I'll text you a yeah. joke. You text back, LOL. That's right. the end of it. Yeah. But I had one woman in the audience, and she looked at me in this yeah. kind of superior way. Well, I can multitask. I said, oh, good. So when I stick it up your ass, you're still going to be, you know. <laughs> good one. But then when I came out here the last time, uh-huh. and I was on Joe over there at the improv, the audience was fantastic. I said, oh, my God, they're here to actually see comedy. Yeah. I can see why people like it out here. Yeah, you know? there's good nights now. You know, the the clubs are like kind of popping again. You yeah. know, and Joe pulls people in. You know, the comedy store is great. You know, it's always packed. But is that where you work? I I do primarily the comedy store when I'm in town. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's like I, you know, I had a lot of experiences there. I feel like I belong there. It feels. I like had a lot fun. of experiences there. Believe me. I, I'm sure I had similar with, experiences with Sam Kenneth. I had them too. The same experience with Sam, with Sam but later probably. Oh my God! We were up at Joni. He bought a house from Joni Mitchell. The one in Malibu, or no, the this one? Was, this was up on a hill, and I'm. Up what year there. was this? I don't. I lose track of the years, but we're all up there, and yeah. uh, we're in this little room, you know, with all the yeah the stuff, <laughs> the stuff, yeah. And I said I could be in fucking Somerville in an yeah. alley, you know. Yeah. This is like. It was crazy. Good boy, Sam. Ooh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. I spent a lot of hours with him. Me Jesus too. Christ. I, but I. Yeah, okay. look me in the eye, Sweeney. <laughs> I can't trust a man doesn't look me in the eye. He had that thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I thought I was bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, what am I doing in this room? I was a one-on-one, man. Three days. You were? Yeah, well, sure, man. I mean, like, I lived in that fucking house up behind the comedy store later. You know, you, this was, I was there in 87. So you, this, you must be talking about, like, early before he broke, right? Or was it? No, this was after he broke. Uh, and he was big, but he... Oh, maybe it was later. But he was brilliant. When were you out here? You know what, Mark? You keep asking me years. Oh, I'm sorry. But, like, okay. what it, but it was, I'm just but trying to figure out, was it before or after? You understand that I don't remember a day of the 90s. I get it, but I was here when Lenny was here. Like, yeah. I was here oh, yeah. when Lenny was in that crew. Yeah, it and was like, Lenny, Lenny Carlebow, Sam Kennedy. Right, right. Yeah. So he was running with them, but yeah. you weren't around. So you were already no. back home, or you hadn't yeah, come but, yet. Yeah, but he would bring himself... <laughs> <laughs> was Sam, yeah, would bring. And then I did the movie with him back to back school. to school, right? Yeah. So and then, then me. he had another wonderful opportunity. He was like, but the best comedian I ever saw and ever will see was Richard Pryor, right? At the and, comedy store. Yeah, I saw him every day, but I also saw his movies, and he he was thrilling. But George Carlin, oh yeah, those guys, you know. Sure. So so the Ding Ho. Ding Sunday Ho, nights. No. Yeah. That I was just your did, night. I just did characters. That's all. I but, just got up and when, did characters. But people don't realize that this was a Chinese restaurant that Chinese had, a show restaurant. Re- uh, had a showroom. Yep. Jimmy Tingle was the bartender yep. before he became a comedian. Yeah. Mark Clark was the doorman. Mark, that's right. Mike booked it. Mike Clark booked but it. But Barry Kremen started the whole thing. Right. On the Wednesdays. Him and Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just, so you would host guys. It wasn't an open mic yours. You'd have you and you'd do like. No, I did all characters. It was just me. So you'd just do it for an hour, hour and a half? Oh, yeah. When does the the sort of career really in Boston take off? When does Nick's happen? I did, well, I did uh, HBO Young Comedians with John Candy. Oh, yeah, that's right. um, That's right. That was like, I'm going to tell you right now if you want to date, 83. All right, so I did that. Yeah. And then. I was on Letterman, yeah, and, and then I. Did, I remember seeing you on Letterman. Yeah, so I did a, a couple lot, times. Or just how many times you do that? Just once. Yeah, 
Or as Kenny Rogerson would say, I did it when it was in black and white. <laughs> so then I did Kenny that. Was so and uh, funny. How's he doing? Kenny's doing great. Oh, good. And he's, of course, he's condemned. You know what the moving prisons are, don't you? No. They're called cruise ships. Oh, <laughs> that fucking life. Jesus. Him and Christ. Gavin. Uh, doesn't oh. Gavin live on a dock? Oh, my God. Does I, he? Like, no, does no, he live I in mean, Portland or something? No, he lives in Boston. Oh. But, oh, my God. I, you know, this is, you know, this is a weird subject to talk about, but I think I can talk about, about it with you safely. Yeah. Okay. The isolation of that kind of a life is just, if you are drinking, you're all set. Yeah, if you are. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You're, you're, you're not, not going to run into anything. You're <laughs> if, not you're not, if you're not drinking, oh my God, this is a floating bar room. You it, know? There's that too, but you and I seem similar in that, you know, that the... the like that, what you were explaining when you were out here, you know, living in those apartments yeah. and not working, that like I can feel very isolated among people. Like even yeah. if like, e like it doesn't matter where I am, if I get that loneliness now, like I'm not part of it. Yeah. That, and it's just paralyzing and dark. It can get yeah. very horrible very quickly. And the idea of uh, being on a boat, not only not drinking, the, my biggest concern is, what if you have a shit show? You got to walk up and down the fucking boat, and those people that you mm. perform for, they're going to be there for the whole three or four days that well, you're that, on the boat. You, you, you're captive of the audience. You can't get away. No. Don Gavin does a great thing at the end of his act. He yeah. says, listen, if you see me on the ship <laughs> and I'm reading or whatever, don't come up and yeah. say hi to me. Yeah. And they all think it's a joke. Yeah. And, and then they'll come up to him and say, he'll say, I, didn't I tell you? Don't bother me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you're stuck with the audience. There's just a I, my life has changed because wait, we're back in 1983. So you do you do Letterman. All right, I'm sorry. Go and ahead. then you do the you do the young comedians, and you do Letterman. And then there was that moment. This is sort of the bigger the question I have is like. Yeah. Where, you know, there's something about Boston where, you know, you're taken care of, you know, you, Mike Clark's working, you, you got yeah, the, you know, sure, you're in it and sure. they're taking care of you. And yeah. that, you know, that's, that's scary and good <laughs> when Nick's is taking care of you. But there was a time there where, you know, all those like Mike and everybody, there was a lot of work and Nick's was opening rooms everywhere. Yeah. But you wanted to make a go of it. So you came to New York. I remember you going down to New York yeah, and trying to in cut New in. York and I was, I was in LA. I was in the New York laugh off and i came in fifth what fourth what a fucking humiliating experience that was yeah you know we'll you're, you. you're standing on the stage and uh oh i uh joe bolster oh yeah but you're standing on stage and then they they announce the other three and you yeah. gotta go up and pretend oh, you're happy i, know, it's fucking I remember i remember i had i auditioned for ed mcmahon's show do you remember that star one? search and i said here i am auditioning for something I don't want and I'm being rejected. <laughs> that's that's the fucking thing about show business. You're so, you know, you want, you, you feel like you should go for everything or yeah. you got that desperation of like, I got to make a break and then you're doing shit like it's just terrible. There's actually, I, I did things on camera where I'm like, why the fuck did I do yeah. that? They didn't even need a funny guy. Yeah. But, but okay, so you decided to move to L.A. to make a go of it, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I had been out here earlier because I went to USC for graduate school. For what, two years? Uh, that was three. And then I came- In acting? No, I got my master's in writing. Really? Yeah, MFA You went to a lot writing. of colleges. Yeah, so I you were school. But you were, this was after you did comedy or before? Before, oh. yeah. 
So I, when I was going to USC, I loved it. I was living in Venice. Yeah. I was so poor, I was taking buses. Who the fuck takes buses out here? I know. I don't know how long <laughs> it takes. I don't know how long it takes. can only assume it takes. I was, you know, I got a friend of mine, Jimmy Labriola. He's always wanting to got one foot in and one foot out. I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he wanted to be a bus driver. You know, you always thinking too, there's got to be another job. I want to be a grill guy, cook. I just want to you know, yeah. flip eggs. So so the bus drivers out here, yeah. I was so fascinated. How many routes do you do a day? And they only do a few because it's the streets are so long. And, you know, I went back and I'd say to the bus drivers back on board, how many do you do? I have 20. I fucking hate it, you yeah. know? <laughs> fucking um, hate it. <laughs> So anyway, I took a bus to my first evening in the Improv at uh, down there in Santa Monica. I did five of those evenings at the Improv in the late eighties, right at the one in Westwood, right? Yeah, or wherever it was, Santa Monica. They had great hosts for those things. Sure, they had everybody. Yeah, that was cool. Bud was always good to me. Yeah, I saw him the other night. Did you did? Yeah, his daughter ha- had a benefit for a school at the Improv, and he was there. I think he might have had a little stroke or something. He's, he's but he's good. He's, he's how old yeah. is Bud now? I don't know. He's got to be almost 80, if if not more. He was always very nice to well, me. Well, that's good. When I was out here, there was like a thing where you don't work, you work the improv or you work the other place. You can't work both. Well, I, I couldn't work either. I was a doorman at the store in 87. That's you when were? I, yeah, that's when I got in trouble with Sam, yeah, did, for about a year, did a you, less Did a you year. work with that fighter out there? Remember there was he a came fighter? Vin, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny Curdo? Curdo. No, he came after. I was in and out within a year. I was fucked up with cocaine psychosis. I went back to Boston, yeah. and that's when I—that's when I met you guys. You could feel it in, First, in the comedy store when you walked in. You could feel it. Yeah, the darkness. Oh, dude, it's gone though. A lot of that was in my head. It took years to shake it because when you have cocaine psychosis, yeah. everything means a lot more than it really does. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, it's all it? loaded, man. And, and how and about never good? How about when somebody? Yeah, there's this incredible need to say something even though there's absolutely nothing to say oh yeah and you're, you're interrupting people <laughs> to say it <laughs> it's to say <Yeah>. nothing <laughs> but but there's that moment where i timed it one night a guy said good night yeah. and he didn't leave for until another hour <laughs> no i'm leaving okay guys i'm leaving okay really i'm leaving okay i good. used to watch those dudes man because you're afraid to be alone you're afraid to be together you know Lenny's so, good and sober now too, right? Twenty three years, yeah. Oh my God, do I remember you guys, man? I remember you guys. Yeah. I, like he was, he could go, man. He could go. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's part of it. I yeah. mean, if you look at a lot of great artists, people say used to say to me, "Is all the comedians are, are you all just always screwed up?" I said, "Only the good ones, right. really." <laughs> yeah. Because if somebody was really looking for a job, you know, with short range, mid range, long range goals, yeah. This is not the job. There's a whole new generation that seem a lot more socially adept than we were. I'll tell you that. The guy, really? Yeah, the people that come up and sketch and, and you know, working with other people. Working and, with other human beings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a whole different thing. But, you know, the old school guys, yeah, we're, a lot of us are a mess. You, you know, I went back to the improv the last time I was out here, and I yeah. hadn't been there in years. Yeah. And I expected people to look at me. What's this yeah. old fart doing yeah. here and everything? And people were so respectful. Oh, yeah. It was nice. Oh, and they knew me. Yeah. Which was like, I always feel like I'm just this regional guy. But, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. And, uh, I mean, you, you, you know, when you look at your past, yeah. sometimes I saw Bill Murray in a great interview. Have you interviewed him, too? No, I'd like to. He's one of the guys that's like a white whale. I can't get him. He... uh Charlie Rose, who we don't even have to get into what where he is now, you know, but he said to Bill Murray, you did all this stuff, and Bill Murray said, yeah, I wish I was there for it. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he was saying. He wasn't in the moment. He yeah, wasn't but, enjoying it. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to do that now. Like, because yeah. you're so, because you want to get, you want to keep, I don't know what it is. You know, it's just, you don't appreciate the process. Right. And you don't even know exactly what your goal is, but you, but it ain't what you're doing necessarily. But maybe that's the problem we have uh. is the idea of a goal. In other words, it's like the journey is, is the destination. You know, so yeah. where are my feet? That's what I say all day. Where are my feet? My Let's my ex wife uh, uh, from years ago, who who got me sober, used to she used to do that trick with me when I was first getting sober. She had a few years, yeah. And she'd go like, you know, when I'd be spinning, she'd go, "What color are your shoes?" Wow. Yeah. Where are we? Where are What's we? on the wall? That wow, guy. that's good, huh? Yeah, the same idea. Yeah. So you uh, so when you go out to L.A. the second time. Yeah. How long were you out here? You do what? Were you going on auditions? I was, yeah, I was doing the whole thing. I got a, a whole what they call a holding deal. Sure, from Carsey Warner Productions. They paid me not to do anything, and it was amazing. It was like, like one of those good ones, couple hundred grand. No, it was like fifty grand. That's but it good. Was like this is fantastic. It's like a city job you paid to just. And you're doing sets do at the store. Yeah, yeah. Both. Um, then that ended and. I don't know what happened. I, I, I just decided I didn't want to be here. Yeah. I, I, I felt when you grow up in a close-knit community yeah. like Charlestown, you get used to that. Yeah. And that's where my people, my family, I love my family, and they were back east. So Are they still, you still east. got people? Yeah. Yeah, I got great people back there. My One sister lives in Situate. One yeah. sister lives in Revere. My brother lives in Washington. And I would like to say, though, that what I liked about doing this movie was just the first time I felt this in many years. I got to that family feeling. Oh, like, yeah? You know when you do a play in yeah. college or whatever? Yeah. You mean with the people you were working with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was sure. great. It, we all pulled together. And... Well, I mean, I wanted, like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I just was trying to, like, because you mentioned back to school, you were in that, and, you know, and I, I you know, you've done, you, you sort of show up in the Farrelly Brothers yeah, movies yeah. that you're sort of around, and then you, didn't you have a, a gig where, you know, didn't you get a show for a little while, like a sitcom? I did. I had a sitcom in Boston, and I, I was on that show Alf out here. I did a lot of these. Yeah, little, right. And that like, guy was insane. Which guy? The guy Alf. You know that show Alf? <laughs> yeah. That guy was crazy, man. The guy who created it, or the he, guy who did Alf? The he did it. He did it. Yeah. And Andy created it, and he'd be underneath the desk and oh, look at me. Oh, say, yeah. Wow, this guy's got issues. Yeah, but, but he then didn't. then I wrote and I acted in a George Carlin's thing and i got to know him it yeah. was a sitcom and that went to hbo what, what and was that called i forget what it was called because they didn't pick it up it, oh. it was a pilot which was weird you know george carlin but i got Not to the, be around him oh yeah how was that for you one of the most brilliant minds i've ever met in my life we were in portland mass yeah maine. portland maine excuse yeah. me and we were driving back and he named all the constellations i Did said he? wow look what a mind you know? Oh, he was like meticulous, real anal dude. Like he, he had all the jokes on note cards. There was no riffing. You know, it was all fucking. In his office in yeah. Westwood, he'd have all his albums stacked up and books. I didn't, you know, he was just very nice to me. He was good. I, I saw his later specials and I and I saw him on Bill Maher. Yeah. He seemed like a different guy to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you know, when that, I think that when guys start to really, especially guys who are prolific and guys who were, you know, uh, you know, fighting the power, punching up. You know, it, it starts to get dark. You know what I mean? I think I don't think anything happened to Carlin other than he he got old and he got more cynical, and you know, it makes sense. Yeah. How, how else was he going to go? 
I sp- yeah, that's a good point. In other words, you've been doing it your whole life, and you're still talking about the same stuff. Yeah, and and, and it gets and and certain things aren't resolved, and certain things are getting worse. And for a guy like him, who's pointing out the hypocrisies, you know, it, it you know, you're going to get overwhelmed eventually, and just be like, fuck it all. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. But what I liked about George was he he took shots at both sides, you yeah. know, and he went after political correctness, which I think sure. is fantastic, you know. Sure, because you got to get the balance. Got to figure out know, the this, balance. This creative power, man, that goes through all of us. You can't try to tame it and say you can say this, you can't say that. Well, it's all up to you. I mean, there's no law that says you can't. You just got to make sure where you got to figure out where it's coming from and whether or not you know you're okay with that. It's really you, still you, on but, you. But do you feel? I don't feel I'm in control of that. When I'm really in touch with something, things come out of me like in one, like in one, two minute, like, like, like I, I used to do right. this bit beaver and all this bullshit. And, yeah, and and it all came in once. What beaver? Oh, I had this bit about leave it to beaver, but it oh. all came like in, in a flash. Yeah, you know. Right. So that creative energy, you have to turn off me anyway yeah let's turn off the editor yeah you know well yeah especially when you're on stage i've had stuff get away from me that i do regret yeah you know when i said certain things on stage but you know you look at at a guy like michael richard is that who played michael richards yeah so he leaves a sitcom then he goes on stage yeah and he doesn't realize it's like a war out there sometimes somebody heckles him he just says whatever comes up now he's you know, life pariah, sen- life sentence. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. Like he, you know, it wasn't that. Yeah, he was on a sitcom, but it wasn't like he was he was coming back to the stand-up stage. I don't know that he, he was ever really his racket, really. Uh, right. And you know, and it got away from him. Yeah, sure. He's a brilliant physical actor. Oh no, funny as hell. Yeah. But I mean, I think that, that I don't think that you know there are those moments that you know you make mistakes. But I, I think it's the committing to the mistake and then defending it. Like I, I think it's more about like you know, would, am, is this am I correct in where it's coming from in my heart? Like, right. do I feel all right with that? And if you can answer that with a yes, then you shouldn't have any problem defending yourself. But if it's dubious, you should figure out why for yourself and then decide whether it's worth it. Wow, that's pretty good. What you know you what I mean? Said. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, is it that Did hard? You, why to... don't you write that down? That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think about it all the time because there are fights to be fought, but some of them are, are you know, are they really worth the fight? You know, is it, ne- is it so essential to your bit that you say fag that, you know, you're going to go to the mats for that? Do you know what I mean? I do, but you know what? I... And that's just I an example. I, I don't purpose... I wasn't pointing I, at a specific right, I, bit. Right, but, you know, it's like... With me, I don't purposely offend people. The object is not to offend people. And some of it, if it's offensive, that's on you. I mean, to me- That's it, true. That's to me, true. To me, it's all on them because I'm an actor. I do different races, different dialects. Yeah, I get that. So does that make it racist? Well, if you think that, that's on you because it's not. You you, know. That's not your intention. That, well, yeah. and, and, and if there's any kind of objective- uh, you know, criticism, then it's not. Anyway. Um, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, Carlin definitely took shots at both sides. And, yeah. And, but it was, yeah. A, it must have been an honor to, to spend time It was time unbelievable. With him. I, I, you know, but I did this movie with Denzel. Yeah. And, um, and then I was working with Christopher Plummer and I was just pinching myself. I was saying, let me get this straight. I'm doing a scene with Denzel Washington. I know. And then this other thing is, hey, he's, 
Will you freaking say your lines? Yeah. Do your job. Because you're looking at them. Do your job. Yeah. It's like going one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan. You say, I can't believe that I have this extraordinary experience to do this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a career that you just find yourself like meeting right. these people and it's like, wow, how the heck did I get here? You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So like yeah. like getting up to, you know, building back up to the movie. So you go back to Boston after Los Angeles. You're still in the game. Who's managing you? Mike? No manager. Ever? No. I had a couple. I had Ted Curland who managed Pat Metheny. He was a good guy. And then... You know, you don't need a manager. You don't need it. What's it? What is there to manage when you're in Boston? You know what I mean. Well, that's the question. So, how do you stay in the game? Well, I. What well, back then, essentially. Well, right? I. As, you know, the funny thing is, and this is how the universe works. Yeah. So I'm out here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that, and giving my power away to the big powers, yeah. whoever they are, and just trying to win the lottery out here, yeah. chasing ghosts. I come back and all these movies are starting to be made in Boston. I get a movie with Peter Falk. I yeah. get another movie with uh, Jim Care, um, Danny Aykroyd and all these guys. Yeah. And one thing after another is just getting cast because right. directors like me because I go in and I make my audition an event. Yeah. Like it's not this polite thing, thank you very much. I try to do something that's memorable yeah. and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I show them a range of things, and they all want me on the set. Right. So if there's a part that fits, uh, not I'm, but like every actor, of yeah. course, ninety-five percent of the time you don't you strike out. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, because yeah. I've cast movies. Yeah. And if you're not right, you're not right. Right. Now, did you did you have a relationship with Rodney? Yeah. You did. Yeah. I uh, met Rodney at Caesars, and he had been up for a day or whatever. And he, he was involved in the same junk that we were all Of course. With. And I went up to his room at Caesar's Palace. He had this table, and I swear to God, Mark, I had never seen so much Chinese food on one table, and that was just for him. <laughs> yeah. And he was in his bathrobe, and then he, we were down there, and, I, and then I went to a commercial. Remember those Budweiser commercials he did? Yeah. And, and Friedberg was stand. one of them was directing it, and so I was... And then I saw him again, and uh, he was, he was uh, what I used to say about Rodney to myself was he was a good guy, but he wasn't a happy guy. For sure. Was Car whereas Carlin was, he was pretty happy. Yeah, Richard Lewis said, uh, you know, uh, Rodney used to call it the heaviness. He had the heaviness, the, the depression. Yeah. The heaviness. He, he was, uh, when I knew him, this he met this woman down in... Uh, on Malibu Beach on one yeah. of these beaches and she didn't know who he was and he thought that was really great this woman doesn't know who I am but at the time he was like one of the most famous people he was unmistakable Yeah. so even when we did our little scene which we shot at USC this guy you know this homeless guy yeah. he said hey Rodney I don't get any respect either I mean everybody knew sure. him it was cool the funny thing and sad thing about Rodney is that you know, after all is said and done, posthumously, he actually does not get the respect he deserves. <laughs> he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like he, you know. What's your favorite Rodney joke? Oh, there's a few of them. I remember the first time I, I encountered Rodney Dangerfield was when I was a little kid and they used to have the My Favorite Joke section at the back of Parade Magazine. Yeah. 
It was that like I woke up and I, you know, I went out to uh, to get out of the uh, bedroom and the doorknob came off. And then I went down and made some, some toast or something. And the handle on the toaster came off. It just built up to him going like, I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, he had the joke and then he added the character and, yeah. and the physical. My favorite joke is because uh, it's the misdirection. Yeah. Your mind goes in one direction. Right. He says, I go to the dentist the other day for yellow teeth. He says, wear a brown tie. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I love him. He was something else. So you stayed up in Boston, and then, uh, so when, when, how does it look when you hit the wall with the shit? Oh, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, then I went on and saved my life, and yeah. uh, then I, I changed you know, from the inside out. And uh, I appreciate everything that I have now, whereas before I had a lot and I didn't appreciate any of it. Sure. You know, so. Were you teaching at Harvard? No, I taught at Suffolk. And okay. I taught at UMass. I yeah. taught at Quincy College. I acting? Taught, I said acting and writing. And I liked it a lot. Uh, right now, though, I'm more into producing my own stuff because yeah. – uh, this John Katz did this years ago. You did your own thing. Yeah. And Pete Fairley, of all people, he came to the opening of the movie, and he said, this is the way to do it. Yeah. He said, you know, you got to just do your own thing. He just did the, the, the green... Uh, uh, He's an incredible guy. I can't thank him Green enough. book, right? Yeah, green book. He wrote the screenplay, and, yeah. and he won Best Picture, and yep. he directed it. And What's his brother doing? Peter do? and Bobby. Bobby's doing other similar things like that. Uh-huh. Are they Boston guys? They're Rhode Island guys. Yeah. Beautiful guys, you know? So, yeah. I, you know, we only have so much time on this earth. Yeah. So I spend my time with people I like. That's nice. So what's the- I had to learn that in therapy. My therapist said, do you know that you don't have to be with people you don't want to be? And I said, really? Yeah. He said, yeah. Then you got to be careful just not to be by yourself. Because I have that thing where it's sort of like, yeah, okay, I don't want to hang out with certain you know people I don't want to hang out with, but then it's like, oh, do you do find now to... that you're famous, which yeah. you are, it's manageable though. What what I have a manageable. I, but fame. I mean, I come up, I come up to your house, yeah. and I say, this is great. Well, I got no wife, I got no kids, you got high, I got no debt. You know, it's you, like you I'm high, saving money. You I don't got know what high for. bushes and it's, yeah. It's kind of beautiful. Thanks. You well, know? this is all new to me, you know, but uh, because, I, you know, I can't take it with me. So I had to figure out, like, you know, because I have a comic's brain. It's sort of like, I'm not going to spend any fucking money. I don't know when that money's going to go away. That's good. Yeah. That's but then, good to think that way. Well, I still do. But then I was sort of like, well, I got to enjoy myself. Why not? Like, yeah. I've earned something. Maybe this idea of buying a new place is, is a nice thing to do for oneself. I went to Steven Tyler's house. And, you know, we know each other because of Boston, and, you know, he's a great Is he guy. out here? No, this was when he was in Marshfield, Mass. But oh, yeah. he had the high hedges and the whole thing. Right. And I said, that's nice. You come home and, you, and you're at peace, you know? Yeah. That's a nice thing. Did he say he was? Yeah, you know, yeah. what, 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 what we're all driven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. if, if, you, if your idea of peace is like... And I can I get it why people want to do this is to retire, for example. Right. So work is not part of peace. For me, it's a process. I got to have meaningful work. So what is the now? Let's talk about the two things. The one man show is called what? Townie. It's about growing up in Charlestown, and I'm going to shoot that in November. I mean in September. And the other thing that's 
is I'm really proud of. It's called Sweeney Killing Sweeney. I play six characters, and I have all of these incredible comedians and a great director, Lisa But these Mola. are characters that you've done yeah. in your act. Yeah, so what happens is HBO comes to town. They yeah. said, we want you. Get rid of the characters. They're too local. They want to do a special. Yeah, so then the characters decide to try to kill me. So they they come after me. Right. And I get to work with all of these great guys, you know, Lenny and, as I said, Frank Santarelli, Tony V, and Stephen Wright, and John Katz, Bobby Slayton, Nick DiPaolo, I, you know. I've interviewed all those guys. Yeah. I've literally interviewed all of those guys. Yeah. I mean, check the movie out. You, you'll really like it. Well, I think it's sort of a, like when I read the description and I saw the trailer, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, it, it seems to me that this is, you know, actually when I see you with Tony V in that car yeah. and he's going, you got to lose the characters. <laughs> like that, that this is a, a con- how's he doing, all right? Tony's doing great. Right. Yeah. Is, is 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 this a real conversation you've had? Like you know, there oh, yeah. you know, that there has been this struggle in your life that you know there was a sort of like the the regionality, uh, the regional nature of your act, which has been your bread and butter for your entire career, on some level does hold you back. You know, in, well, in, but 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 you know, uh, Bill Broadus wrote this script. That was I started for, with Broadus. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. and he wrote this script, but. That was the truth for me. But then I chose life over a career. Right. So nothing's actually holding me back because what is it holding me back from? But also, when I go other places, people ask me the stupidest questions. Mm. Like they say, when you go to Las Vegas, do you do Boston jokes? I said, yeah, I'm a real idiot. I refer to Boylston Street. What are you, out of your freaking mind? Sure. Do you think I'm that stupid? Right. Like when I, when I did the improv out here, I came out on stage and uh-huh. I said this is amazing uh, Los Angeles it, you know it reminds me of the national park all these people camping out yeah. and on the on the street and I said um the guy said you want some do you have any change I said no what do you want is marshmallows you uh-huh. want to you want to cook out <laughs> right and then I said I was up in San Francisco and I did all the touristy things but then I wanted to live like I'd be like a native so I took a shit in the street and the, the people loved it you know right. so a local is just a reference and you can riff yeah you can riff of sure. course you can but funny like, is funny you yeah know? and how do you like I, without spoiling it I mean like like you say in your life you've, you've chosen life so you have some resolution but I mean it seems like there's a deeper meaning and that Broadus knows you well enough yeah. to know that you, you know to be haunted by characters is is one thing but to actually be physically pursued by them is another but <laughs> yeah. is there some sort of uh, cathartic uh uh conclusion to the to the end yeah i it, it has a trick ending oh good there's oh, good. two different endings oh, yeah there's a part of me you know it's funny you you talk about this because i've always seen things through so you have this societal pressure that says success equals rich and famous. Right. Uh, so I've, I never questioned why I left. Like I knew it was the right thing for me. Left, left here, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I left once too. I didn't yeah. want to come back. And but now, yeah. when people are opening doors, of course, it's a different place. This is a shitty, horrible place when you got nothing to do, pal. Absolutely, it's the fucking worst. And I've been here for that. And I've been back and forth several times. Like yeah. there are different points in my career where when I lived out here back in the day when I was a doorman at the store, I left with cocaine psychosis. I went back to Boston. I, I figured it out. I did six months of opening for uh, Frank Santos and I and I learned the, 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I, I figured, you know, I got back to it. I went back to the trenches. I come back years later, I get a divorce, things crap out. I'm back in New York. Like I've, you know, I've had that relationship mm. with this city, but with, the, this, with the business. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. And then the, the irony of it is, is like my biz, biggest success happens on my own, by my own will in my own fucking garage. I know. And that changes was, the you know, whole game. I remember reading about it. I read about it, I think, in the Times and all this. this right, the New York Mark, Times Mark, piece. That changed it, yeah. Mark Maron's doing this thing out of his garage. And I always said, good for him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you yeah. probably had to clean the garage. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I did eventually. But no, that's a funny thing. I don't think anyone's... like. It's not like I didn't pay my fucking dues. It's not like anything was handed to me. It's good to be, you, you know, to find success later in life because there's not a lot of assholes could go like, that fucking guy cheated. He skipped his but, turn. But, but did did you ever feel like you were paying... I never felt like I was paying dues. I never felt like I was... A, I, 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 was I was 30 years old. I was making 40 bucks, 140 something a week. I was living in a loft in the South End, but I was acting. And I never felt like I was suffering. I never felt like I was paying dues. I enjoy the work. No, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. I didn't feel like I, there was some conclusion to it. Obviously, yeah. I wanted to be a great comic. Yeah. But uh, but you know, when I look back on you know my time in Boston and doing all those one nighters with you guys, you know, going to fucking Worcester, to Lemonster, to Cranston, yeah. to yeah. Taunton, to fucking Johnny Yee's, to, like yeah. like that was Hyannis, Johnny. Yeah, 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 all over the place. So like there was. I don't really, looking back on it, I don't know how the hell I did that because they weren't easy things to do. No. And I was, you know, a very specific type of guy. But for some reason, your generation, you dealt with me. You know, there's other guys in my generation that you didn't deal with. But for some reason, I was wrapped up enough and you guys were okay with me somehow. And that, well, You know what? We're good guys. We're oh, just, are we're, you? We're, sure. We're, we're just regular guys. Oh, I know. But like, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a Boston guy, but no, I, th I always yeah. appreciated the fact that I could do it. But I don't know how the fuck I did it. So when yeah. I say I paid my dues, I'm like, when if you ask me, like, what was that like? I'm like, it was fucking hell, man. It, w it was like, it was warfare for me to figure out how to talk to a room, me, Mark Maron yeah. at age 21, this angry kind of existential, you know, heady fucking Jewish guy, yeah. you know, is standing like, I, I remember one time going on after Leary at Nick's and Dennis, whether he did well or not, he was going to rip the room apart. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. just, and I got up there, I'm like, I'll just jump into his energy. And I got up there and I did seven minutes and I tanked so hard. I know the I vacuum know. of it, but 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 but, but like so. Uh, what I'm saying is like I don't regret any of that, right? But I definitely but I did had my to, time. I had to do the same thing, of course. When, but when that's I was, paying dues, I, whether I, you like it or not. Right. When I was doing plays, yeah, there was a backstage. Okay, there was a place where you prepared. You work in these shitholes, always named after the guy, you yeah. know, Vinny's fucking yeah. dump hole. There's no place that you just, it's like fucking, it's just right. And I had to learn how to do that. And then when you work in a theater and you're saying to yourself, shit, they're listening to me. It's great. And then you have to work in the subtlety and not go for the immediate laugh. I think I say that because I'm proud of it because like I didn't come up like I'm not an alternative comic or whatever. Like I came up the old way. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's you like, paid those emotional dues. Oh man. It I gives you know. something. It does. I'm proud of it. What, whatever it is, it yeah. gives you something. Yeah. You know? And 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 you know you know what happens to me is like, I'm a very nice person now as far as like CVSs and drugstores and oh yeah Starbucks. Sure. But I have this part of me that's like, 
anytime I want, I can take over this fucking room. And yeah, she gives okay. me a hard time. I can make a speech. Yeah, sure. And you're, you're a black belt and asshole. Yeah, black, very good. <laughs> Absolutely. I know how to be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. I know. But you, you, try, not, you right. try not to bring it out. Well, you don't want to use it. You're not, it's illegal to use it. But, but yeah. you know, the thing is, you get cranky when you get older. I, and there's certain things. Like, I grew up, you say, uh, I say thank you. You say you're welcome. So I pull up to like a McDonald's say, and I say thank you. And then they don't say anything. Yeah. So there I'm giving a lecture to some 17-year-old kid. Now, when I say thank you, you say you're welcome. I'm saying, what am I doing? <laughs> Spending my day giving lectures. You're giving him or, a, a memorable they, experience. Yeah, or, this or, guy or, came. Or, or you say thank you and they say no problem. And I say, I know there's not a problem. <laughs> Well, but what? Why am I in this conversation with these idiots? Right. You know. Oh man, it's funny. So do you, do you still uh, do you still have a club of your own? No, I'm. I work at uh, Giggles, Mike Clark's club at the Leaning Tower of Pizza. The Leaning Tower of Pizza. That's still going, huh? Oh yeah, it's a great room. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and uh, you know I work various places back east, and I'm trying to get these movies off the ground. I got yeah. another one I wrote that. We're pitching the Irish Film Board about my trips to what Ireland. What is that? What is that? Well, I I wrote a movie about my bike trips in Ireland. You know, uh-huh. and, and, uh huh. And it's about how people act like their nationalities. Like, I yeah, I, like the I've done four of these bike trips, and that's your thing, bikes. Uh, the bike and hike, but the yeah. The tour guide was always hungover. He was Irish. Right. The Americans were always enthusiastic. What are we going to do today? Yeah. And the Germans, very literal. You know, I'd say, they said to me, how was the town? I said, it was all right. So it was good? Well, it was all right. So it was bad, you know. So I- (laughs) I, No in between? Yeah. Yeah. So I got this, that going. And then I have another movie that I'm, I want to get off the ground, but I want to see this one through. And yeah, that's my that's my thing right now is just producing movies. Well, you look great. You sound Thank great. You. I'm Thank very you, uh, I'm very happy you're okay. It was a, it was a treat to see you and oh, talk to you. You know, Mark, I'm so proud of you, man. Because it's like you did it your own way, number one. But also, you know, it, it boy, it, it is a crapshoot, isn't it? You just oh, did something. You, you, you weren't know. expecting anything, and here you are. You don't know, man. It's a, it's just like they, you know, you always hear that's not a meritocracy, no shit. And the sad thing is about you know, you know very talented people is that you know they're gonna de- they might destroy themselves. It it just might happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who are just kind of talented but very focused, they seem to manage somehow. <laughs> they they know how to do life. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did not. But but there's there's like there's guitarists out there playing in little bars in Ohio that are geniuses. Absolutely. There's guys in rep companies, theater guys, that they'll never get anywhere. And my brother's one of them. My brother's a brilliant actor. And uh, they're out there and they're just creating magic and mesmerizing. But Does your brother have peace in his life? Oh, yeah. He's a, he's out of the business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, the movie is on- The courage of that man. Yes, you better believe it. The movie's on iTunes called yeah. Sweeney, Killing Sweeney. It's going to be on Amazon on Wednesday. And uh, it's been a real treat. Thank you. It's good talking to you, Steve. All right, my man. There you go. The legend, Steve Sweeney, Boston Zone. Yeah, it was uh, that was something, man. It was 
It was wild, you know. It, there was there was parts of it that were just as intimidating as they were when I was, uh, you know, 25 or however old, old I was. Uh, again, his movie uh, Sweeney Killing Sweeney is available on iTunes and Amazon. He'll be at the Improv Asylum in Boston this Sunday, June 23rd, doing his one-man show, Townie. I have to go shoot some movie now. Oh God, I'm, now I'm exhausted. I, I haven't I haven't teed up for the day completely. Okay, bye. Boomer lives.